Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. Back during the summer of 2017, I was a very stubborn teenager and I had no car or driver's license at the time, so my way of going to my friend's house, or anywhere in general, I would always walk to my destination. Occasionally, my brother would drop me off at the locations that I would want to go, but most of the time it was just me and myself walking alone. The city that I live in isn't too big. It's known for its gangs, though, and drug problems as well. Now, one afternoon, I put my earbuds on and walked out of my house to go and meet my friend at the local park, which was an additional 15-minute walk. My neighborhood is actually a gated community, but there's two doors to enter and exit from. One of them leads to the main street, and the other leads to an alley behind a sort of middle and elementary school. But to make the scenery creepier, the schools used to be a part of a historical Japanese cemetery, there were rumors about paranormal activity and cult activity happening in the area. My mentality at the time was pretty naive, and I just sort of brushed it off as rumors. Anyone would assume that it was probably just gossip, right? The neighbors saying anything to get the neighborhood kids to go in their homes early. But I take the door to lead me to the main street, and as soon as I cross at an unmarked crosswalk, I bump into a guy wearing a, a long red hooded robe. Not the ones people use after taking a shower or a cover-up or something. It was legit, like the stereotypical cult robe. I made eye contact with the guy for just a second, and I noticed his eyes were pitch black. I mean, he absolutely had no pupils visible. My first thought was, wow, this guy must be super high on meth. In this city, everyone is pretty much always on drugs, and it's pretty easy to identify what a person is on. But in this case, that was the contrary. On his lower left eye, he had a tattoo with a pentagram symbol. He looked like he was maybe 25 and was really tall, at least 6'1". Through my loud music blasting, I can hear his heavy breathing. It sounds pretty abnormal and like some strange growl that I've never heard before. 
but we just sort of passed one another and that was pretty much it. About a week passed by and I completely forgot about the creepy encounter that I had with the satanic guy if I'm being honest. My friend calls me though one Friday afternoon and tells me to come and hang out at her house to smoke ourselves stupid and enjoy a six pack. As my usual routine, I put on my earbuds and I walk to my destination. Nothing out of the ordinary happened during the day, but I get to my friend's house and we have our sesh, our get together. After a few hours of drinking and getting high, I decided to call it a night. Not being aware of the time for a while, I finally realized just how late it was and I left the house in a hurry. It was 11.30. I had my earbuds on as always and I get to the beginning of the back street or the alley which is the second entrance to my neighborhood. And as soon as I passed the end of the elementary school, I had a, a really unsettling sinking feeling that I was being watched. I honestly felt like a deer trapped knowing that there was a predator around. Now, I always carry some sort of a weapon due to terrifying predicaments that I've been involved in in the past. I won't go into detail about them here, but suffice it to say that I learnt my lesson. Anyhow, on the right side of my waist, I pull out my double-bladed pocket knife. Every person who's owned a pocket knife knows the clicking noise that it makes when you open it. My knife made the clicking noise that it was supposed to. As I get closer to the parked cars, I stopped in the middle of the road where the last streetlight is lighting. I look ahead between the cars and at the second entrance there was a guy in a black robe crouched behind a truck. I keep walking in the middle of the road just because I'll have enough time to make a run for it if need be. And the strange guy emerges from the truck, breathing heavily. Instantly too, the breathing reminded me of the encounter that I had last week during the day. He walks up close to me and we make eye contact again. And this is when I noticed that it was definitely the same guy from last week. I easily identified him because of his under eye tattoo. This time though he stood there just sort of staring at me like I just ruined something for him. He saw the knife that I was holding in my hand. He stares at it for a couple of seconds and walked away breathing heavier than before. I want to emphasize too that his breathing sounded sort of animalistic. Well, I start to power walk to the entrance at this. In utter horror, I turn around to see another man emerge behind from another vehicle. But I get there and I close the door behind me quickly and hide by the closest yard. I stay there for about a minute trying to process what I just encountered. I get on my phone and was about to call my friend in a panic when... I suddenly heard a conversation going on behind the wall that I was hiding. I overheard a man's voice saying, Dude, why didn't you just go for it? It was an easy target. I hear a different voice speaking up saying, She had a knife on her. It was going to get messy. And after that, I ran home, terrified. When I arrived, my dad obviously noticed that I was frantic. I tell him that nothing's up and I had seen a possum creep up on me. That's why I was in such a scared mood. Amazingly, he believed me, and I haven't told any of my family what had happened to me. And even typing or speaking about this situation just gives me the chills. To this day as well, the thought of not carrying a knife really terrifies me, and only God knows what the heck these cult members were really planning on doing that night. 
I personally believe that these guys were planning on trapping an innocent person and doing something sinister for sure. But anyway, I guess the moral of the story is always be packing some heat. For reference, I work as a barista in a coffee shop inside a larger store. I'm one of a handful of male baristas at my shop. I'm gay and very open about this. I wear pride shoes, I have a pride flag attached to my name tag, and I have a couple of wristbands with rainbows and phrases like Orlando Strong and a local LGBT plus center. So, the other day I was working my shift at the register, and a gentleman comes up to me and he smiles. I think that he noticed the pride flag on my name tag, but he didn't explicitly mention it at first. He says that he doesn't know what to order and asks me for my opinion. Now, I'm not particularly a coffee drinker, but I know what drinks fit with taste, so I ask him what he likes and try to give him recommendations. As I'm talking, I can tell that he's paying more attention to me than to what I'm saying, which I'm completely okay with. He was a shorter but well-built man, had beautiful eyes, a nice beard, basically the perfect dilf. Eventually, he decides on a super sweet ice drink that we have and I go to make it for him. As I'm making the drink, one of my co-workers leans over and whispers, Hey, uh, I think that that customer just took a picture of you, man. That was a bit of a red flag, I'll admit, but I thanked her and kind of brushed it off. I give him his drink and he smiles. He points to the pride flag and says, I love that flag. Where can I get one of those? I laughed and said that I got it from a pride event that I went to a few years ago. He then said, And where can I get the person it's attached to? I immediately feel a rush and I start blushing, but trying to act professional, I brush it off again. He eventually takes his drink though and sits at one of the tables. I continue going about my day debating whether I should give in to this guy or not. Every now and then I would glance at his table to see him looking at me. No matter when I looked as well, it seemed like he was looking at me. It was at this stage too that I started to get that weird feeling of hard eyes with red flags. Then I noticed that he hasn't taken a single drink out of his coffee. Remember too it was an ice drink so I could see the clear plastic cup. When I have a break and I go to wipe down some of the tables, I stop by his table and ask if he didn't like the drink, and if not, I could make him a new one free of charge. He hands me the drink and mentions that he's not sure if it's too sweet for him or not and asks me to try it. I politely decline, telling him that I don't drink coffee. He's shocked and asks me why I'm working here then and blah blah blah. As we're talking though, his questions start to change. So, do you lift at all? Ah, uh, no, no, not really. Well, how much do you think you could lift if you had to? Well, uh, the job requirement is 50 pounds, so I guess at least that much. Well, I've learned that it's good to be able to lift at least half of your body weight. How much do you weigh? Immediate red flags go off. There was something about the combination of the drink and the two questions that made me feel like I was being asked how much of a fight I'd be able to hold, especially if I was drugged. I've been drugged at a party before as well, and these things are red flags that I've learned to pick up on. So, I kindly and sort of quickly end the conversation and go back to cleaning up tables. 
As the hours go by, he continues to sit there not drinking his drink. Other employees and a couple of managers ask if everything's okay, and he says that he's perfectly happy. Every now and then he takes a phone call though, and at one point I could have sworn that I could see a guy on his phone at a different part of the store talking opposite of the guy at the table. And suddenly, I start to feel like there are more eyes on me than I first realized. I pull one of my managers to the back and tell him that I'm getting weirder and weirder feelings about this guy, and the manager says that we'll keep an eye on him. Now, I was closing on this shift, and so we got closer and closer to closing time, and I noticed him still sitting there. When the announcement that the store is closing in half an hour was made, he comes up to the counter and asks if he could walk me to my car after I get off. I tell him that our closing duties take us at least 45 minutes after we close, and he says that he'd be happy to wait. I politely decline at this, and he asks when I work next. I tell him that I'm off for a couple of weeks after this, and he says, Well, then I feel like I should walk you to your car at least, especially if I'm not going to be able to see you for a couple of weeks. No way, though. I politely decline and eventually he finally leaves. I finish my closing duties and head to the employee area. As soon as I get down there as well, I tell one of my managers about the situation and ask if I can take the side exit from the store. At our store, we exit out one of the main doors after we close, but there's also a side door that we use to get into the building before we open and that the managers use to get out after we close as well. He agrees and tells me that he would walk me to my car to make sure that I'm okay if I'm cool with waiting a little while, and believe me, I am. So I walk out the side doors with a couple of managers. I get into my car, and as I'm driving, I see a large van with extremely tinted windows parked in front of the front door. Now, there's no way to know for sure if my customer was in that van, and if it was as ominous as I thought it was... But what I do know is that I wasn't about to stick around to figure it out. And that night, I took a very long and winding path back home. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This all happened a few months ago. Me and four friends, we were all 13, were sleeping over at my friend's house on a Saturday night. We all got to his house around four, and eventually we decided to go to the McDonald's that was about 30 minutes from his house. After arriving at the McDonald's, we ate our food, went to the shop for about 15 minutes, and then we left. 
It was around 5.30 I would guess when we decided to go to the welfare shop that was near this shop. Now, in the UK, anyone who lives here will know that it gets pitch black at around 5.30 in the winter, so it was pretty dark out. We get to the welfare though, and it was either a 20 minute walk around the housing estate that we were by, or cut through a forest which would take about 10 or 15 minutes. Naturally, we decide to cut through the forest, and we're all just kind of joking around, sort of pushing each other and stuff. And around five minutes before we get to the other side, we all heard a, a twig snap to the left of us. We started laughing at my friend letting out a slight scream. We all thought that it was probably just a small rodent, like a, a squirrel or something. But we're about to keep on walking when we saw our friend just frozen staring into the woods. We all told him to hurry up, but he just didn't move. Two of us decided to go towards my friend to see what the heck he was staring at. Looking back now though, I really wish that we walked around the housing estate because what I saw will never, ever leave me. And I hope no one will ever have to experience this too. So I saw a man just sort of stood there, staring at us, not moving. My friend took his phone out and turned on the torch and aimed it at him. And what we saw was just terrifying. The man has a knife clenched in his teeth, with the knife going through the side of his cheek. Blood was dropping down his chin and on his clothing and on the floor as well. And we just lost it, screaming and running, trying not to trip on the mud or the bottles on the floor. When we reached the end of the forest, we were all red-faced and shaking... And then we all walked back to our friend's house, just reflecting on what happened. We went on to have our sleepover in the end, and we had a good time, except for the fact that we all kept thinking about what happened. We never did tell anyone about this, and I hope that whoever that guy was got the help that he needed. So for those of you who aren't really aware... Funeral homes have small apartment spaces in them. The folks who work there, usually the owners, live there. But my uncle and I, because the owners are family friends and whatnot, my grandfather was part owner before he died. We lived there rent-free and even worked there. The living quarters were pretty much a college dorm. A one bedroom, one bath with a living room and a kitchenette. And now, my uncle was showering one night and I had to take a serious dump... This was a few hours after we had closed. The month was October and for some weird reason, death just always seems to be more present around the end of the year. I only say this as well because all my life, when Pawpaw, and yes, I called my granddad that, was alive and worked there, he'd always be busy from October to around Valentine's Day. So we had a couple of bodies in the dressing room and one that the owners had embalmed in the embalming room. I'm trying to be discreet about the whole FH business thing because I'm trying to be as respectful as possible about it. So anyway, I'm like this close to just taking a dump in my pants. So I decide to use one of the toilets in the FH. I walk through the garage and enter into the back hallway where only employees are allowed. And immediately I see this big black shadow looking humanoid thing standing guard outside the door to the embalming room. Have you ever played Kingdom Hearts before? You remember those heartless things that were in the game? 
Well, it looked pretty much exactly like that, but just no antennae on its head and very ridiculously tall. It turns its head and looks at me, and then it runs away from me. It then crouched in a fetal position in the corner at the other end of the hall, and when I went to that corner to talk to it, it just disappeared before I could say anything to it. And well, after that, I held my number two until the next morning. The next thing that happened there was in January of 2016 one night. It was a, an unusually uneventful day at the funeral home that I worked at. People had died and we held services all the week before, so that day I decided to just clean the place. The day still went on and when everyone left and went home at 5.30pm, I went to the back of the FH into my apartment. I knew that I was on call that night, so I didn't make any plans. I sat with my uncle and we just ate some food and watched Hellboy on Sci-Fi Network. We went on to bed when it was over, but I stayed up a bit, and at about 11.45, I decided to hit the hay. Now, usually when I got body or death calls, they would come well past midnight, so I was surprised when the phone rang before I could even shut my eyes. I answer it and it's my boss. He tells me that the cops had found a guy that had been down for a few days. It's a decomp, FH talk for decomposing. So I put my suit and tie back on and I await my boss. He arrives and we load up in the hearse and we drive way out to the sticks where this dude lived. He was old and frail and the early stages of decomp were beginning. It was easy enough for me and a cop to lift on our own and we put him on the stretcher and my boss and I then leave. When we get back, we put the body in a body cooler so that the JP and the MEs can look at him. Boss leaves and I go back into my living space. And then the air just immediately felt like there was no oxygen. I got ready for bed and just like that I fell asleep. It was weird too and was definitely not normal. But I have a dream, and in this dream, me and the guy that I'd just picked up are best buds. We go watch Star Wars Force Awakens, and it just opened. But then I see him in his cooler. He looks at me and just starts laughing at me. I ask him what he's laughing at, and he says something that I can't hear. I ask him to say it again, and he says, I'm gonna kill your family. I woke up immediately drenched in sweat and I was in so much pain it was unbearable and it was that night that I typed my letter of resignation and let it print from the Wi-Fi printer so that my boss would see it first thing in the morning. I was terrified by that dream and the experiences in this place were just too much for me and I didn't sleep for the rest of that night. In early 2014, I was 18 years old and started browsing the world of Craigslist. I responded to an ad in the personal section and started texting this woman. Now, being 18 and unfamiliar with how Craigslist works, I didn't see any issue with meeting up with her at a red roof. I also didn't see anything wrong with her asking for donations. Again, 18 and stupid, I know. I figured donation meant optional, 
Again, stupid, I know, but just to be clear, she never gave me a price and nor did I tell her that I had money for her, so, so the whole thing was just sort of a, a weird set of circumstances. But I set up a time to meet her. I left my house to head to my GED class as usual, but walked to the Red Roof instead. It was pouring rain and it was warm out, so by the time that I got there I was all drenched and sweaty. I knocked on the room door that she was in and she answered. Her attire should have alerted me straight away, but let's say it again, 18 and stupid. She invited me in and I asked to use the shower quick, so I get undressed in the bathroom and I help in the shower. She started taking off her top and I told her, that's okay, I won't be long. So she goes and waits on the bed, watching Steve Wilkos. Eventually I get out of the shower and wrap a towel around my waist. I came out of the bathroom, randy as a dog, looked at her and asked if she was ready. She sprawled out on the bed and says, donations are due up front. At this point, all the red flags should have gone off, but I just didn't realize the situation that I was in. My face dropped as I faced the TV and I nervously told her that I didn't have any money. She got up and started screaming at me and threw my clothes and my bag at me. I got dressed and actually apologized for wasting her time. So I leave a room and I start heading back to my GED class. Before I was out of the parking lot though, a guy in a green punch bug calls me over to him and I try to ignore him and walk past until he shouted to get my attention. So I walk up to the driver's side of this guy's car and he starts talking to me. Now, this guy looked sketchy and I just figured that he was the woman's pimp. So he's talking to me with his left arm up on his door and his right arm down at his side, holding a pistol no less. At this point, I'm almost certain that I'm about to get shot. He says to me though, So why would you come here knowing that you don't have any money? I explained as calmly as I could that I wasn't aware of the situation. And then this guy pulls his arm up a little to show his gun and he says, Listen man, I have messages between you and her saying that you had money for her. Now, like I said earlier, I never told this woman that I had money. So this guy decides to lower his gun and says to me, Man, you are lucky that you came to see one of my girls. Other girls would have stabbed you with a broken crack pipe. Look, I can see that you're pretty young, so I'll let you off with a warning this time. But don't you do this again, alright? He then motioned me to be on my way. And you can bet your butt that I kept looking back to make sure that I wasn't about to be shot from behind. And obviously, after that, I never met up with anybody from Craigslist again. When I was in third grade, there was this girl in my class. She wasn't particularly liked by anyone as she was quite the bully and overall a rude person, even to adults. She was known to have anger issues and get mad at people for what seemed like pretty much no reason. I was no exception. Her name was Carly. She had been mean to me in the past, but that didn't deter me from going to her house one day after she had been nice to me all day at school. Naive, I know. So, before leaving school that day, I called my mum to ask if I would be allowed to go to Carly's house, and she said yes, and to call her when I got there so I can give her the address. 
When I think back about this too, I always wonder if she had a bad feeling about the situation since she doesn't normally ask for the address and she isn't picking me up since Carly's house was about two blocks away. But when I got there, after calling my mum of course, Carly insisted on making me look pretty, aka wetting my hair and brushing it. I let her and then she told me to close my eyes and that she was taking me to the living room. So I closed my eyes and she began to guide me towards the bathtub. We were already in the bathroom so the tub was a solid two feet away from where we were standing and I opened my eyes just enough to see where she was guiding me. My foot hit the side of the tub and I said that this didn't feel like the living room and she said that it was and that I just need to step over the gate. I tell her that I know that this is a bathtub and she stops trying to get me into the bath and brings me to the kitchen instead. She then says that she's going to make some cereal. I was standing behind her when she reached into the dishwasher and said that she was grabbing a spoon. The way that she clarified that she was going to grab a spoon immediately told me what she was really about to grab and it was for sure not a spoon. I can still remember the feeling of dread that overcame me when she said those words as well. She then pulls out a large knife and backs me up into a counter, holding the knife only inches away from my neck. I can't remember if any words were exchanged during this, maybe I was just too shocked to say anything, but I only stayed there for maybe 30 seconds before I just pushed her aside and ran towards the door. I grabbed my backpack and put on my winter boots. By the time that I put my boots on, Carly was trying to block the sliding door. I pushed past her again and flung open the door. I ran down her patio steps and out her front gate, not bothering to close it. Obviously, I just wanted to get home to where I was safe, and I remember her yelling at me as her dogs escaped through the open gate, but I didn't care. One of her neighbors who was in their front lawn waved and smiled at me, clearly oblivious to what had just gone down. I ran down the road into my house, not stopping once, and it wasn't until I was in the door of my house that I just broke down. I began to cry and yell for my mum, my two older sisters yelling at me to shut up. My mum walked over to me and immediately knew that something was wrong though, so I explained what happened and she was very understanding and very freaked out as well. I can't remember if it was the same day or the next day that I had to talk to a police officer about what happened. He asked me what kind of knife it was and whatnot. I think my mum relayed most of the story to him because I don't remember having to say too much. But they got in contact with Carly's foster mum and Carly got in huge trouble for it. At school, Carly yelled at me for getting the cops involved and tried to guilt trip me by saying that her mum threatened to put her back into foster care if she did anything like that again. I told her that I didn't care. The school was also notified of the situation and the teachers made sure to keep an extra eye on her, but that didn't mean that I wasn't paranoid about her. I made sure to keep my guard up for the rest of the school year, that was for sure. I always thought that it was a, a bit extreme to involve the cops, but... It did end up making Carly never mess with me again, so for that I'm grateful. I ended up moving after that year for unrelated reasons, only to move back before I started 6th grade. And the first day of middle school, I was waiting for them to call my name so I know which class is my homeroom when I hear an all too familiar name. And yep, it was Carly. I watch as no one goes up to join the class, was... She not here? 
Next, I was called. I got up to join the class that she would have been in, and I found out later when the teacher was doing attendance that she had moved three hours away just before the beginning of that school year. It's been three years since then, and I can only hope that she never comes back. When I was 15 years old, I had my grandmother make a doll that looked just like me. If you've watched the movie Caroline, then that's where I got the idea. I loved the doll as well and always kept it in my room. Fast forward to when I was 17, I had a friend come over to my house. We'll call her Amy. And Amy was into spells and chants and considered herself a witch. She wanted to do some sort of a... A ritual that required herbs, candles, and dimly lit lights. So we went downstairs to my room and I let her do her thing because, well, I was curious. She said that she wanted to connect to her spirit guides. I was open to the idea, but I wasn't 100% convinced that anything would happen. A few minutes into her chanting, I started to feel a, a cold chill, but I blew it off as me just getting a little bit spooked. A few minutes later... I started getting a sort of sick feeling, so I told her to just stop it. I didn't want to do this anymore, and she insisted on finishing, but I told her that it was getting late and I was ready for bed. We went back upstairs and fell asleep in the living room watching TV that night, and the next morning we met up with some friends and spent the day in town. Another friend took Amy home, so I went back to my house alone. When I got back home, it was pretty dark, and I took my shower and went to my bedroom. I decided to call one of my other friends, and while I was in the middle of talking, my doll, which had been sitting on my window for months, began to slowly slide down. And it was as if someone had their hand on it and was just sort of carefully moving it. It slid so slowly as well that it was undeniable that somebody was touching it, and I started backing away from it until it finally hit the ground. And at that, I ran up those stairs and couldn't shake the feeling of someone watching me for the rest of the night. For weeks on end, I didn't go back downstairs and I slept in only my sister's room that was upstairs. But once I got the courage to go back downstairs, I smudged and saged everywhere. I also put my dolls elsewhere, even though I never thought that the doll itself was the problem. But after that, I never had a strange experience in my room again, thankfully. It's now been about seven years since that happened, but to this day, I still get goosebumps talking about it. It all began in summer of 2013 when I got a divorce and had to move out of my home in the suburbs of Southern California. I met someone, my current husband, pretty soon after the divorce, and things moved quickly, and he asked me to move in with him, and I accepted. He had just bought this dream cabin on a local mountain with an inheritance that he received. We're in Southern California, and the mountain and the lake are popular tourist destinations. At the time, too, I was struggling a lot. I had to quit my teaching job due to severe stress, and had lost a substantial amount of weight, and was barely 100 pounds. Looking back, I was probably an easy target due to my vulnerable state, I admit. So, we moved in that winter just in time for me to vacate my previous home that I had once shared with my ex. 
It had just stormed and there was ice and snow on the ground. The new house was really dark and just felt sort of sad to me, especially on cold snowy days. But it was a beautiful cabin that was on a long private dirt road in the woods. The house was a larger chalet style home with dark wooden beams, brick and wood walls and a big old wood burning stove. Shortly after moving in, we found out that the lady that had previously owned it was actually hit by a drunk driver and had to move into a care facility for the severely impaired, which I must admit kind of creeped us out a bit. I immediately realized too that I didn't quite like living in the mountains. The people in the town, especially our handful of neighbors, were really strange, paranoid and sort of rough. There was just a, a negative energy there, especially in certain parts of the mountain. I was so in love with my then boyfriend though that I wanted to make him happy and I knew how much he loved it there so I didn't say anything at first. After a while of living there I started to feel sort of oppressed by something very dark and I started doing things that are really out of character like binge drinking and picking fights. I would almost go into what I would describe as a, a trance state and from what my husband tells me, I'd run out into the forest and disappear for hours during fights, even late at night. Mind you, I have no recollection of this. I just had this overwhelming sense of dread every second of living there, though. That's what I remember most. I got a job, though, working at a local church camp. I'm not super religious, but jobs there are pretty scarce, so I had to take it. And I noticed that the only time that I felt semi-normal was while I was at work. I felt like I was having some kind of a, an internal battle between good and evil. I know that sounds weird, but honestly, that's what it felt like. Well, I just continued to spiral down at home. I got diagnosed with a severe illness that no doctor could really explain, and was put on heavy narcotics, which only aggravated my spiral downward. We seemed to have really bad luck too. For instance, one time my husband was driving in a really remote part of the mountain when his car broke down. So I jumped in my car to go and pick him up when suddenly my car blew a gasket clear through the hood which no mechanic had ever seen or could explain. In the end I actually had to hitchhike to where my husband was and we actually had to tow both cars. My husband's car had absolutely nothing wrong with it and worked just fine after we towed it, which was weird. Yet, it would always break down periodically and always in a remote part of town with no call service. We lived way off the beaten path deep in the woods. And something just always seemed to go really wrong. As things progressed, one day after drinking and taking pills... I remember stumbling through the woods and sobbing and having an overwhelming urge to just end it all. I kept thinking that that was the only way out. This was a common thing that I started doing and it's as if something was always telling me to go out into the woods alone. We were completely on the edge of town and our home backed into hundreds of miles of thick forest. I also remember laying in bed and feeling paralyzed with fear, sorrow and despair every night. I began to feel like my true self was just gone and I couldn't get to her. I began to feel numb. It was weird though that I was still functional at work and even managed to get a few promotions. It began to feel like perhaps I had two personalities. 
around this time as well, weird things started to happen around the house. For instance, all the lights in the ceiling fans would turn on full blast all on their own. I'd come home from work and think that somebody was in our house because all the lights would be on. But one time I was sleeping and I could have sworn that I could hear the remote control button for the fan speed clicking on and then bam, all the lights in the fans turned on. I would get out of bed and yell, stop it, and hide the remotes for the fans and the TV. We always felt this oppressive presence, if that's the right way to put it, and like something was always watching us sleep. There was also this small wooden door in our bedroom that led to the attic, and one night I had a nightmare of watching myself sleep from a different angle in the room, when a pure black demon with red eyes and a goat head with giant horns came out of that door and was watching me sleep while breathing what looked like smoke down and around my body. I suddenly woke up in a panic, and the weirdest thing was that the door was now open. Now... That door was extremely hard to open and you had to really tug at it due to it not fitting quite right in the door frame and also rubbing against it. We always left it shut too because it was cold, creepy and sort of drafty up there. Honestly terrifying. But after that, I dreaded going to sleep at all and would often stay up all night drinking and just descending into madness. Things at work eventually even got weird too, and I could barely function. I felt like I was hanging on by nothing but a threat. I was an emotional wreck, and I was in heavy counseling, drinking heavily, and popping pills. My relationship was on the rocks, and I'd become a regular at the bar and the liquor stores. I was completely out of control, and was beginning to get evil, intrusive thoughts. Then one night, I was in a rage and picked a fight with my husband. I don't remember it, but the next day when I was begging him for forgiveness after he threatened to leave, he told me that I didn't even look like myself, and that my eyes and my face looked dark and evil the previous night while we were arguing. Then he told me that apparently I'd shoved and hit him, and that my heart just broke into a million pieces. I'm really not an angry or violent person at all, normally. That one, that one broke me. I couldn't stop acting that way though, no matter how hard I tried. I hated myself for it. One night though, I got a call from a friend from my hometown who also happens to have abilities. And she told me that the land there was bad. And that she won't go up there to visit me. And that I should consider moving home. She had a friend that also had moved up there after a divorce and experienced a very similar oppression and fled the home in the middle of the night, taking only her animals. She had apparently seen something that she refuses to talk about to this day, and it clicked for me right then. Whatever was up there, it was evil and was affecting me deeply. I broke down and begged my husband to leave with me. He's the type to do anything for me, so we both started job hunting in the town that we wanted to move to, and he listed the house for sale. And the second that I got hired, I threw some clothes and my dog in my car, and I never looked back once. Luckily, our home sold pretty quickly because we priced it to sell ASAP, and the dread slowly lifted as I made my way down the mountain and back into the city, and I felt for once like I could breathe again. 
remember thinking how dark it always felt up there with all the trees. It felt suffocating. Within a month of moving away, I started to feel back to normal, thankfully. At first, there was still some activity, like the dreams, and one time being woke up by something that felt like a pillow, hitting me with a crazy force across the face. But after I had a cleansing done, it mostly stopped and I completely lost any desire to drink and switch medications to a non-narcotic. I've never been a drinker and to this day we have on average one or two beers a year. But thankfully my personality went back to my happy loving self. These days my marriage is very solid and we're like any normal boring couple. And when I think back on it, it was like a horrible nightmare that creeps me out just remembering it and telling it. I try to avoid talking or thinking about it due to weird feelings that it gives me. I feel like, like a part of my soul is gone forever. That I can never take back what I put my poor husband through. I'll never view things the same though. I know that there is evil out there. And whatever it was, it wanted me. To start off, I was young, like maybe nine years old, and I lived with a foster family at the time. My foster brother had some mental issues that stemmed from a poor childhood. An example being that when he started doing something, he had to finish what he was doing, or he would just have a complete mental breakdown. So our foster family went to this uh, campground pretty frequently. It was next to a small lake and a medium-sized sort of wooded area with a hiking trail. To clarify a bit as well, while walking on the trail, you could clear as day see the lake and the huge clearing or camping area where people would park their campers. And I would say that it was a, a mile away at most. My brother and I frequented the trail a lot though because we like catching bugs and frogs and the sort. And then there was this one day. It was bright and sunny in the middle of July. This is in the Midwest US, so muggy and hot. Me and him are walking the trail and I hear what started out like a, a faint clicking sound. To this day too, I'm yet to hear a sound like it. But it progressively got louder to the point that you would have to be deaf not to hear it. The weird part too was my brother didn't hear a thing. It started to startle me on just how loud it was. My brother decided to start carving into a tree, which he did frequently, but I urged him that we should leave because I was scared. But like I said, once he started something, he had to finish it, so I had to wait for him to finish. I stepped no more than 15, 20 paces I would guess from him, and then my foot felt like it fell through something. So I stumbled a bit, looking down, and when I looked up, Nothing seemed at all similar, and it seemed like I was dropped in the middle of the forest with no end to it. It was also really cold, and there was absolutely no sound. My brother was nowhere to be found, and I felt extremely terrified, so I just took off yelling and screaming. I ran for a good distance, and I had the same sensation where I felt like I missed a step or stumbled forward or something, and when I looked up, everything was normal again. And then I could hear my family calling my name. But when I approached them, they looked frantic and they said that they'd been looking for me for the past couple of hours. Obviously, no one has ever believed me, so 
I always just shrugged it off. That is, until I came here. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.